you say, you just close it right out. Being transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind is the only way. And so Paul starts and he talks about those who live according to the futility of their mind and those who live according to the transformed mind that God has for them. But then he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so obviously the uh, first thing, um, the first way that uh, God wants to help us to make our bad days better is to show us how to be careful and to live wise. So if you are taking notes, you can write, be careful and live wise. If you want to grab a pen and underline something in your Bible, that is okay. Uh, You won't, you know, lightning will not come down out of heaven and strike you just because you made a note in your Bible. Uh, We don't want to wait until we're old to get wisdom. We often think of those who are older, and it is no doubt that as we grow older, we gain much more wisdom, but we have the opportunity because Christ is with us to gain wisdom uh, earlier in life and live according to that wisdom because the Bible tells us that wisdom is our guide through this life, and not only is it our guide through this life, but it's our guide to navigate and to block out the other voices that try to lead us astray because there are a lot of voices out there. There are voices that tell us we can't. There are voices that tell us we won't. Voices that tell us we're nothing. Voices that tell us we're everything. And both extremes are not where we want to be. There are voices that tell us to go this way. Voices that tell us to go that way. Voices to to tell us to hate that person. Voices that tell us to hate this one or love that one or follow this one or follow that one or believe this or believe that. But it's only wisdom from God that can help and to guide us and lead us through all of those voices so that we hear the one still small voice that says, this is the way. Walk in it. Follow me. Hear my voice. Go this way. And... If we're careful about how we walk and the choices that we make and we take the time to apply this wisdom, the wisdom that God gives us into our lives, then it helps to make our bad days better. It helps us to take us to a different place and to to understand and to realize a whole different reality. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 21 through 22 says, Do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and ornament to grace around your neck. See, we don't need a big gold chain or prayer beads or anything else to be worn. We need wisdom. Wear wisdom because wisdom people will see, people will recognize, and that will make you something. Not what it is that we have, not what it is that we wear, not what it is that we associate ourselves with, but who we are is what really shows people and what really testifies to people and what really makes us believable and real and genuine and and somebody who's worth listening to. If we only have things, everybody has things. If we only have a way of doing life or a way of believing, everybody has those things. But if we allow the wisdom of God to fill us, then we have something. First First Kings, we see uh, chapter 3, Solomon, when he prays, he does uh, what we all need to do. In verses 7 through 14, he says, And now, O Lord, my God, because God has come to Solomon and said, ask of me whatever you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon responds, he says, and now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant my king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. 
And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for, uh, uh, for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that uh, you like so that none like you has been before and none like you shall, ev- shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, but riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. It was not Solomon's riches that made him unlike anybody else who ever has been or ever was. It was not his kingdom. It was not what he had. It was not what he looked like. It was not where he came from. It was the fact that he had wisdom and understanding to discern what was right and what was wrong so that he could lead his people. And so what is it that we pray for? When we come into a program or we come into certain seasons in our life, what are we asking God for? Are we asking God to give us this or to give us that or supply this? But God, if you will only do this, we all have prayed the if only prayer, right? And very few of us have actually responded and actually lived up to what we told God that we will do if only he did what it was that he did. He stepped in and he saved us and he healed us and he cleaned us. And then he's reminding us, remember when you were in that dark spot. Remember whenever you were in that jail cell and you told me if you will only do this. And now he requires of us. But he helps us and he guides us. And he even says, if you will just ask of me. I will give you the wisdom that you need to live the life of what it is that you're asking for. Because what will it matter if God gives us everything that we ask for, but we don't have the wisdom to maintain it? And that's what happens to so many people. They get everything that they ever wanted or think that they ever needed, and they get the riches, and they get the glory, and they get the fame, but they don't have the wisdom and the understanding to take care of it and to, and to, to do good with it. And to use it wisely in this life, and they lose it all. But first, wisdom begins with humility. Even Solomon said, God, you've put me in the place of David. He was the king of the nation, and yet he saw himself as a child, unable to perform the task that he was called to do. And it was only because of that humble heart that he was able to receive the wisdom that God had for him. And if we do not bow ourselves, if we do not humble ourselves, if we hold on to our pride, if we hold on to all of the things that we hold dear, if we hold on to our protective walls, If we hold on to everything that we've built around us, our securities, our identities, then God's never going to be able to give us what we need. Not because he's unable, but because he will not push. He will not force his way in, but he will love us and he will pursue us endlessly and ruthlessly until we give up. Wisdom comes as you pursue it. As you ask for it, that's what the scripture tells us over and over again to seek it out. And wisdom seeks what is needed, not what is wanted. Too many times when we pray, we always, we tend to pray for what it is that we want. And what it is that we want is usually in line with what we think that we need. But the problem is, is it is our thinking, the futility of our minds that has got us into the place that we are in. So what we're praying for that we think that we need, which is really what we want, which is based off our feelings, has nothing to do with what it actually is good for us and actually is what we need. But wisdom understands what we need, and it knows that in the long term, it will make us better. And so if we pray 
for the right things, and we seek God for the right things, God, just give me wisdom. God, give me a mind of understanding. God, give me a heart that pursues the right things. Then it doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what God gives us because we have the ability to live with it and according to it and not ruin the blessing that God has given to us. And we have blessings all around us. We have brothers around us. We have sisters around us. We have staff to lead us. We have a place that is a safe place to take care of us, but yet we will not bring down the walls and humble ourselves and receive, but instead we will abuse the blessing because it is not what we think that we need. It's what we, we're, we're, we're out for what we want. But then what we want gives, puts us in that spiraling circle, constantly going round and round and round, and we play the blame game, and we play the pointing fingers, and we, end, we just stay in the same place. The second thing that it tells us is to make the most of every opportunity. And I don't know about you, but that's probably not one of my strong suits, right? Anybody else? And, you know, I have the ability sometimes to see, you know, what I should do to make the most of every opportunity. But there's a problem with recognizing and then that translating like into doing, right? And that's why I constantly, you know, just, you know, feel like a dummy because of all the, you know, the things that, uh, that I do. But we have a choice always in every situation. We have the choice to, uh, to, to be controlled by something outside of us or, or to be in control of what God has put inside of us. And if we make the most of the opportunities that God has given us, then we are taking control of what it is that God has offered to us and placed inside of us so that we can get to where it is that we want. But if we don't make the most of every opportunity, all we're doing is availing ourselves to powers that are outside of our control. And the longer that we avail ourselves to powers outside of our control, the longer that we're allowing those powers to have control over us. And we continue to live in bondage. We continue to live in fear. We continue to live in anger. We continue to live with, with unforgiveness. And all of those things keep building and building and building. We isolate and isolate and isolate because we just refuse to make the most of the opportunity that God has given us. And to allow the wisdom of God to lead us through and to help us see and to understand. Because it will always be true that you get out whatever it is that you put in. It doesn't matter in what area it is. I've played sports. I've, you know, done well and failed at using money. I've, you know, I'm raising a family. I've gone to school and, and done all sorts of things. You will always get whatever it is you put in. Whether you're in the program, whether you're in the business world, it does not matter. I will get out of my family, and my family will be built based upon what it is that I put into it. My ministry will be as effective as how it is of much of myself that I lay down and put into it. My bank account will even only uh, uh, grow based upon what I put into it. I cannot just wish and say, oh, money, and there it is. You have to actually put something into it. Or just know somebody rich who will put some in there for you, right? So marry somebody's rich who will put some in there for you. I'm just joking. But if, it ha if you have the opportunity, just go ahead. Just remember me when you do it. So the Bible tells us, and it uses a very specific description. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And why does it say that specifically? Well, there's probably contextual reasons why he says that, but I think that there's also a direct relationship between getting drunk on wine, which is, again, allowing something outside of us to control us, as opposed to allowing the Spirit of God that is inside of us to control us. 
Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with what it is that God has placed inside of you. Don't be filled with all of these external things that will only continue to drag you down. But drunkenness is also something that represents our sensualities. All of the things that our body wants, our body thinks that we need, that our emotions want, that our emotions think that we need, all of our sensualities, our senses, the things that we see, that we feel, that we touch, that we hear, that we smell, that we just have to have. I don't know about you, but when I smell bacon, my senses just go crazy, and I have to have it, and it is good how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together eating bacon. But either I take control or something else will take control of me. That's just the way that it is. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we want in life? What do, you, what do we want? Because we'll get out tomorrow whatever it is that we put in today. You'll get next year whatever it is that you put in this year. You can drive by the gym and you can say, man, I need to go in there. You can sign up to go to the gym. And think, man, I've got to go in there. And in a year's time, you can either have muscles and be ginormous like the men's home staff. (laughs) Or you can just keep saying, I need to do this and not do it and not put anything into it. And you'll look like justice. (laughs) I'm just joking. Justice... (laughs) I've never seen anybody do more pull-ups than Justice. Justice used to be, that was like his program. He'd be out in the back just, he could do like 150 in like five minutes. I'm sorry, Justice. I love you. You know that. I don't. (laughs) But uh, making the most of every opportunity, it only comes in the consistency of every moment. You know, choosing to put one foot in front of the other, not just knowing what it is that we need to do, but actually committing ourselves to do it. And the last one, number three, you probably would never get. Live life like you're in a musical. It says it. Sing to each other. Where else in the world do you see people just bursting out in a song? But in a musical. I've been in them before. I've seen a lot of them because my wife loves them. You have to do what your wife loves. But really, be an encourager. Uh, there's a definite difference, and you probably know the difference between somebody who is an encourager and somebody who just lives a life of negativity. There's just life that you receive from them. And, and my coach that I had uh, in college used to always say, uh, uh, what did he, he said, uh, be a giver, don't be a sucker. Because nobody likes suckers. People like givers. But what he meant was not just, you know, in terms of resources, but what he meant was be somebody who gives to other people emotionally by being somebody who is encouraging and somebody who builds each other's up, somebody who looks for ways that they can exalt the other people and find something good in somebody else, as opposed to somebody, as soon as you see them, they're just sucking the life out of you. I don't want to be that type of a person that is just walking up to people and it's just like... And it's like, you know, it's just gone, just eating them up. See, one is grateful and the other is just entitled. You owe me this. You have to think of me like this. You have to talk to me like this. But the other one is just grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for what the Lord has done. I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful in everything. And I've known some people that I just, they're so grateful it's annoying. But that's always better than somebody who's so negative that they're annoying. 
One has lots of friends, and the other one probably has lots of enemies and doesn't know why. The world's just always against me. Proverbs eleven twenty five: the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And as we see here in the passage, number one, it says worship births a positive spirit. What he's talking about is, is living a life of worship. You know, just walking up to each other and just saying, hello, bless the Lord, praise you, brother. <laughs> Even though that's fun and would add excitement to every life, it's not exactly it. But carrying that heart of worship that uplifts one another. I don't have to sing J.J. a song. I can be a brother and a friend and somebody who is just uplifting to him. And I can look him in the eye and I can talk to him and I can shake his hand. And that will uplift him. Some, something that lasts even more than just if I walked up to him and sang him a song. It's because it's the difference between an, a temporary emotion and lasting joy in our life. But worship births a positive spirit and a positive spirit births gratefulness. So if you find yourself being in a position of ungratefulness and not being able to accept what is in your life, then you may need to sit down and humble yourselves and begin to worship the one who has given you literally everything that you have. The one who has supplied every one of your needs and given you the opportunity to look outside of yourself for a single minute here on this earth. And gratefulness births submission to others out of reverence for Christ. And that's difference to reverence to others out of duty because you feel like you have to. And as you go through this process, do not allow yourself to do it just out of duty. If you realize that everything that you're doing here is just because you have to, I, I plead with you with everything that I have, get before the Lord and find somebody that you can relate to and talk to that will encourage you and that will build you up and not somebody that will agree with you and justify your actions and that will just help you and walk with you and through that, that, that darkness and that loneliness and that complaining. Find somebody else who's doing it well and doing it right and, and, and talk to that individual and begin to worship God and get to the place where you can submit to others out of reverence for Christ because it is him that matters. It is only him that matters. Because if you're just doing it out of duty, you're just looking to, I have to submit to that person. And as long as I have to submit to that person, I'm not going to like that person. Because I'm just going to think of that person as somebody who is over me, somebody who is oppressing me or keeping me down. But if I can submit to others because of Christ who is in my life out of reverence for him, because my eyes are focused on him, then it doesn't matter who it is that I'm called to submit to because I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it because of what Christ has done in my life. And if I do it for Christ, it helps me to take my mind off of everything around me. And that's how God makes our bad days better. He doesn't take away the bad days. Our bad days will never leave as long as we're on the face of this earth. But what he does is he gives us new eyes to see and eyes to understand and hearts to be able to maintain and carry the wisdom to see us through. And that's why I can walk through every single day. And I know that there can be great disasters that can come upon my life. But that's, that's not the point because it's worth it now. Because I see what God has done in my life. Because I see my three little boys who are just absolutely amazing and just incredible. I just absolutely love and I will, go through, I will endure anything just to know that when I come home, my six-month-old will light up and reach out for me and want to, and want to see me. That my other boys will, will say, Daddy, and come running in. There is not anything that I won't go through because I get to enjoy that. 
because that's what God has done in my life. And it doesn't mean that I won't make mistakes. I've made more than my fair share and yours yesterday, not even counting today. But it means that, I, that God has taken me to a different level, not a place of being better, but to a different place of being able to, to, to face and to, to, to go through the things that are in my life. And your life is different from my life. Every single one of us have different things that we face. Some of them are similar. Some of them, you know, uh, are, are, are things that, we, that are, that are, that are uh, the same, that are similar for all of us, a common denominator. But every one of us comes from someplace different, has, an ex- has experienced things. And there's things that we face in our hearts that we need to overcome. But we cannot overcome anything that's in our hearts unless God helps us to do it, unless God gives us the wisdom to understand and see what is inside of there. And as long as our eyes are constantly outside and looking at everything else, we will never be able to see what God wants to show us in our own hearts. But whenever God is able to show us what is in our own hearts, then we get to a place where it doesn't matter what's out here. And that's why Paul was able to say, I've learned the secret of being content in any situation, whether I have a lot or ever I have a little. In every situation, because he began to understand, because God changed and God helped him to focus and to see what was on the inside so that it didn't matter what was on the outside, because he wasn't going to change. The enemy had nothing in him that he could come for and ask for and and pull him away with, because his eyes were continually focused on Christ. There's a a song that I absolutely love, and it's uh, by Shane and Shane on an album called Pages, and it's actually, you know called bad days better Um, it says the bad days are coming rainy days are always around oh but if I can see you one glance upon you the sun comes out I'm dancing in all the rain because you make bad days better the rain is there but we can experience and enjoy the sun even amidst the rain just from a glimpse of Jesus and allowing Jesus into our lives So we just stand. I just want to pray for you tonight.